Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Hello, Gamecock fans. Happy Wednesday. Open date Wednesday, October 28, 2020. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was October 28, 2000. I'd have about 20 years to do over again, but uh, not that many regrets during that point in time, so maybe not. So anyway, uh, this is J.C. Sherbert. Uh, we're plowing through. want to thank Keith Allsett for jumping on yesterday with the initial reaction to South Carolina's debacle of a loss at LSU this past weekend, 52 to 24. Uh, just not much else to say about that game other than, you know, th- there's a lot of work to be done if South Carolina is going to salvage this season. Uh, and, and as Lou Holtz always said, that things are never as good as they seem. Uh, they're never as bad as they seem. Um, here's the deal. You know, South Carolina's got more games to go with the way this season has unfolded in the SEC, teams have gone up, teams have gone down. The the problem is (laughs) that I've noticed when teams have a disappointing loss, uh, they tend to kind of – this year they've kind of gone into a shell for a week or two uh, following that game. Uh, Case in point uh, would be Tennessee. You know, Tennessee started 2-0. Everybody's feeling good. They go to Athens to get boat raced. They don't wake up and don't beat Kentucky. Oh, and then Alabama comes calling and boat races them again. Now they're sitting there two and three, um, and things are not looking good. Uh, I've also noticed that teams don't stay up. You know, you had Kentucky that sort of got up off the mat, big win over Mississippi State, big win at Tennessee, which never happens. And they go on the road this past weekend, as Keith and I talked about yesterday. Missouri holds the ball for 43 minutes. Uh, I think Terry Wilson threw for 38 yards and they lost 20 to 10 to Missouri, who all of a sudden now ha- has won games like both ways. They they beat uh, LSU in a shootout and, and then they beat Kentucky 20 to 10, kind of at their own game. Uh, so it gets a little crazy. You know, Florida, I don't know when Florida's going to play again. You know, it, it's uh, – it's weird. Ole Miss, you know, has that game against Bama, which was kind of a moral victory. All the points they scored, now all of a sudden they scored 21 and 28 in back-to-back weeks against Arkansas and Auburn and lost. Uh, thanks in no small part to our friends from Birmingham and the SEC officials office. So it, it, you sort of look around the league, and it, it, it is a weird year everywhere outside of Tuscaloosa uh, and maybe Athens. Um, you know, in terms of just kind of how Georgia's season's gone so far. So it's uh, it's a different year. And, and like I said, that, that's a good thing and a bad thing because that could be that, hey, this is LSU game was kind of a one-off, an ambush or whatever. Carolina rallies. Uh, and it starts with A&M here in a couple of weeks. But it's, uh, you know, obviously there's been some issues brewing uh, in terms of the defense all season whether that's giving up big plays at bad times early or whether that's just what happened on Saturday, which is a thorough beating, um, you know, and, and talking to some, some contacts, you know, was pointed out to me, Hey, it's a line of scrimmage league. 
and South Carolina got dominated on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I know some people out there are a little upset with Colin Hill. I get it. We talked about this yesterday. I, you know, Colin Hill was in the hot spot heading into the game. So I sort of felt like he needed, I felt like he played okay against Auburn. Obviously, you know, the touchdown pass to Shy Smith was a beautiful pass. Um, pass up the sideline was good. Uh, you know, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's not that he did a lot of terrible things. I, I just felt like he kind of, against LSU, considering how many yards they were giving up passing, um, you know, it's time for him to go have a big game. And uh, unfortunately, he did not. He probably had his worst outing of the year uh, against the Tigers and uh, did have some pressure during the night. But at the same time, you know, you, you got to make those plays. You can't just line up and run at every play. You know, I, I think the Gamecocks may have been better off doing that. But, uh, you know, considering the rushing yards the running backs had. But it was, it was a tough night. I, I think that, you know, what you can do, uh, is you can either rebound and go try to play your best and, and beat A&M and Ole Miss and Missouri. Um, heading into that Georgia game, you know, five and three would not be a bad thing. Uh, or you can fold and struggle, continue to struggle. And if that happens, then there's got to be some conversations about where this whole thing's going. I mean, that's the bottom line. Because there's really no reason why – South Carolina should be that bad on defense this particular year. I mean, there are some really good individual players. There are some players that need to play better, that are capable of playing better. Um, I just, you know, you, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, this guy should be better. This guy should be better. Uh, and, and look, I got some ideas on that. I will uh, go through those tomorrow because I promised – Today would be exclusively a mailbag um, because we did not do the mailbag. Usually on the open date, and I meant to tell you this last week, open date's usually a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday podcast schedule just because that's that's kind of predetermined. But um, And I meant to tell you that. So then yesterday we had Keith, and then today, you know, I didn't get to the mailbag today, and so, so yesterday, so want to get it today. Um, so uh, here we go. Uh, spit you text in tweets in and again to get to the mailbag you can tweet to at the big spur pod or you can uh, email us inside the gamecocks at gmail i'm gonna do the twitters first tweets first um pearson fowler this is a retweet from spit he says 128 years of football in carolina's greatest football tradition is making unknown quarterbacks look like heisman trophy candidates you know heading into the game I couldn't remember a situation where a true freshman had done that, but TJ Finley played a great game. I mean, you got to give him credit. Hats off, 17 for 21. He did have the one pick. Carolina should have been better able to uh, counter him than that. But when you're not stopping the run, that, that's that's the best friend of a of a quarterback that's inexperienced because then it's just it takes the pressure off, et cetera, et cetera. But you're right about that. Spit, yeah, it does seem to be that way. Um, especially when you're playing a name team, name brand like that. Um, Preacher Man says, I'm reminded of what it means to be a Gamecock fan. Get your hopes up and they'd be let down. That's true. Um, 
Somebody else responded, true story. Rug pulled out from under me again. <laughs> Here we go. Um, all right, so so these two are, are actual questions. So there we go. Uh, Stubbs says, is this the bye week, the right time to get our next quarterback ready to play? Colin Hill's greatest strength is his biggest weakness. He is what he is at this point. He doesn't inspire confidence going forth. Get the next guy going like Bentley in 2016. I, I don't agree with that. Um, uh, I think he gives the team the best chance to win. I think he had a bad game. I do understand that a lot of you are very big fans of Ryan Holinsky, rightfully so. Great guy, great person, but that's not the answer. Um, the answer would be, I think, if in my opinion, the answer would be if they made a move, then you just sit there and say it is what it is. We can't protect a, a guy that can't run out of the pocket. So just go play Luke Doty, simplify everything, and run the football. And, uh, you know, get, get it even more to where, you know, you're staying. I mean, South Carolina, at time of possession, 37 to 22 LSU Saturday night. You know, when you're playing defense like that, when they don't punt, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. Now, I'm not saying Colin Hill played well, well, and I'm not defending his performance against the Tigers because that should have been better, obviously. But I, I just don't think that, you know, I don't think there's a Jake Bentley on the roster uh, unless it's Luke Doty. Uh, and, and you, because, and that's mainly because of his legs. So I just, I don't think that's the answer right now. Now you lose the next two, you get to two and five, things are looking bleak anyway. Um, yeah. You know, maybe you start looking at it and saying, well, you know, you got to do something to try to scratch out something, but when you don't, when when the you don't force a single punt in a game and you give what six hundred yards of total, I mean, you know, it's not not on the offense, you know, because obviously, if you're playing defense better and you're getting stops, you're you know your running backs average, you know, the nineteen carries for one hundred seventy five yards, you're going to have the luxury to be able to just sit there and run it at them. If uh, if you're getting stops, but you're not getting stops, it becomes kind of a passing game. If you get behind, if you give up a kickoff return, I mean, I, you know, I understand everybody's going to blame the quarterback because that's the that's the world we live in these days. I, I don't know how it happened this way in college football, but it did. Um, and you know, I, I just think that uh, I, I think that that's it. You know, and I get it from a fan's perspective. You know, you're looking for a spark. Uh, and I think that sometimes that does spark your team. You know, you get another guy out there. And, you know, we've seen that at South Carolina at times over the years. We saw it shoot. I mean, you know, in the, in the Spurrier era, you, you sit there and think about 06 when Blake Mitchell's struggling, when he puts in Savelle Newton. That sparked him for about six games. Then Blake was ready to come back. That sparked him for a little while. Uh, you know, in 07, they put in Chris Smelly. That sparked him for a while. Then he was done. So Blake comes back, and that sparked him for a while. 08, Steven Garcia sparked him for a while. Um, going back to Tannehill in 1992, that sparked him for a while. But, you know, th those were situations with Spurrier where that's just going to happen. He's going to – first thing he's going to do is swip, flip the quarterback out, you know. <laughs> um and in South Carolina's case, when Tannehill came in and when Bentley came in, those teams obviously were going nowhere fast. 
This team is two and three. They suffered a four-point loss against Tennessee. That Again, that was no fault of the quarterback or the offense at all, in my opinion. Uh, and then had one bad game against LSU and, and lost a game to Florida where, you know, Florida was just better. So uh, I think if they were one and four or 0 oh and five right now, that would be a better deal. Um, and Chris, you know, from, from Twitter also, and I appreciate these guys uh, for tweeting in again at the Big Spur pod. Uh, do you look at, do you think Bobo needs to take a hard look at going to Helensky or Doty? Hill doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he really doesn't do anything to help you win. Well, I mean, I, I would I, I would disagree with that too. I mean, so against Auburn, who threw the fade pass to Shy Smith for the touchdown? Who, who who got them into the run play at the line of scrimmage for the other touchdown? I mean, I think back to the Florida game, how many times he checked into the right play. It's more than just like, oh, he can throw it deep. Uh, and a lot of people are looking at it like, they're thinking back to like selective plays about Ryan Helensky last year and not thinking about the big picture, you know, there, there are, and, and the other plays, you know, you're thinking back to the long pass against Brian, uh, against Georgia to Brian Edwards. You're thinking back, uh, well, Brian Edwards isn't on the team. You don't have anybody that can get, you know, I wish sometimes they'd run shy Smith down there, you know, but, uh, you know, you're thinking about the pass against Alabama to Smith in, in triple coverage, which, honest to God, that was Shy Smith making that play. You know, that ball, that ball probably should have never been thrown. Um, you know, you're thinking about those plays, and 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 those were very few and far between. And he's not ready to go out and execute the offense. You know, South Carolina needs to get check into the right running place, a more diverse run game, and 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 the run game is what's working right now. So if you don't have a quarterback. They can get they can read the defense, get you into the right run play, you know, then then all that greatness that Fenwick and Harris, I mean, you're taking away what you do best. So um I just don't I don't think that's the answer. I mean, you know, if the season if if, if Carolina was 0-5 right now or even one and four with the only with a close win over Vandy, I, I think as one of my old bosses, I used to deliver pizza a long time ago, right? Before I, you know, during college, uh, just for extra money. And I had a boss and he'd always go, hell, got to do something, you know, whenever it was slow. Hell, got to do something. So we'd go chop onions or fold boxes or whatever. And and, and if you're 0-5 or 1-4 with a close win over Vandy, I'm, I'm sitting there going, hell, got to do something, <laughs> you know, and, and that's fine. But that's that's just, you know, they need to fix the defense, you know, I, I, I'm a clamor for Rick Sandage to start. You know, I, I'm going to clamor for Jamar Brown to see more action. I'm going to clamor for John for them to put Israel McQuamu on the bench, except in situational football and play John Dixon because that's obviously been their best group back there in the secondary. You know, I, I want to see more Jalen Dickerson at safety over Shallow Sanders. Not that Shiloh is going to be bad, and I think he's come a long way, but I, I think Jalen Dickerson's a player. You know, those are the things I'm looking at. I want more Jordan Birch on the field. You know, because on defense right now, you are in a situation where, hell, you got to do something. Because this isn't working. You know, th this, this undersized interior D-line is not working. Aaron Sterling is not working. He is a really good pass rusher, rusher in situational football, 
but but you need some beef out there. You know, uh, it's just not working. You know, and if Enic Barre isn't good against the run, then you need to play Kier Thomas out there. You know, they need to be a little more creative with 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 what they've got on the defensive front because they just got dominated. You know. Uh, poor Ernest Jones. I mean, Zach Pickens needs to be playing a lot. I mean, they're going to make mistakes because they're young players. But, you know, y- y- you don't have a chance otherwise. And I, you'd rather do that than mess with what's going right on offense, which is your run game and your ability to call plays and keep the football at this point. At this point. Now, things get crazy bad. You know, yeah, let's let's see what Luke Doty can do. Uh, or or if, you know, all of a sudden the offensive line just absolutely cannot protect, which they didn't have their best day in pass coverage or pass protection Saturday night. Run blocking was fine. Um, then, uh, yeah, maybe you go to Doty. I ain't, but but I, I just think that, you know, I, I'm, you know, there are changes to be made, but uh, I think that they're clearly on the other side of the ball. Um, on offense, do you need another receiver to step up? Yes. Was Jalen Brooks disappointing? Absolutely. I probably should have called that, you know, because I remember saying everybody when he got cleared, oh, is this the answer? I'm like, well, you know, you hope so, but you hate to say that first game. And first game, you know, he's, he's, you know, he wasn't, wasn't good. And I, and I quite frankly, you know, and I'm sitting here looking at a, looking at some articles and stuff from, from other outlets talking about a quarterback change. I mean, I just, why? Because that happened in 2016 and it worked out. Well, those quarterbacks in 2016 weren't really, I don't know. I mean, Jake was the best quarterback since the, the daggum beginning of the year, you know, in in that situation Um, in terms of not only, uh, his talent, but his, his also his, uh, you know, ability to go out there and run the offense. He didn't have the issues that Helensky had with knowing the system. Um, and, and, and I don't know that if it was Bobo's system that, you know, you could have had that, uh, had that conversation. But then again, I don't know if it was Bobo's system that, you know, Perry Orth couldn't have gone out there and been just fine. So, it's always something good to talk about as far as the quarterback goes. I'm just saying that, you know, right now I am much, much more concerned about some of the defensive personnel decisions. Uh, if you're talking personnel, than I am the quarterback. And, uh, but again, if things go really bad, not working, you know, not working out. All right. So here we go. We got a ton of emails, which I knew, oh, man, sorry for the yelling. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. So Mark emails in another inflection point. You can't follow up the Auburn win with a showing like this. I'm officially back on the fire Muschamp bandwagon and I'm not coming back. Mark, I, you know, I, I say this, I don't know how much more you guys can take. Um, and I said this last year, you know, I thought, uh, I, I don't know how much more, this fan base can take, I just, you know, what are you, you know, what are you supposed to think? You can't even feel good for a couple of weeks. And look at like John Whittle wrote on the big It would have been a different story had, you know, it'd been like 27, 24. And then Terrence Marshall makes an unbelievable play 
and you know he's an all-american obviously and and all of a sudden you know lsu wins and that's disappointing but it's a competitive game right down to the wire blah 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 i mean yeah you can take that but getting boat raced by a team that has not even played close to that well the whole season and then looking as bad on defense as they did i mean you know look Let's go back to the day Will Muschamp was hired, okay? And Ray Tanner gets up there and says, everybody likes to talk about offense, but we play defense at South Carolina. That's a true statement that Ray Tanner made. South Carolina has never, ever, ever, ever been good without a good defense. Think about this. Think about it through the years. Let's go back to 1984. You know, that 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 team gave up some points, but that team – had an opportunistic defense called the fire ants, right? 1987, the black death defense. <laughs> that's what they called it. was one of the most dominant units in college football. Go on fast forward to the Holtz era under Charlie strong, South Carolina had really good defenses during the Spurrier era. South Carolina had a really good defenses. I mean, Spurrier's best offense was probably 2014. And you saw what happened in that one. Um, and Will Muschamp's best season at South Carolina so far has been in 2017, where that defense was good, not great, but forced a bunch of turnovers. So, so Ray Tanner was correct in saying that, but it just hasn't happened. Um, and, and, and it's 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 a schizophrenic, erratic group, and it has been since the, you know, the North Carolina game in the fourth quarter. I mean, how can you go on the road? And I know Georgia still had 500 yards or whatever, but you go on the road and you look like you're on the verge of becoming an elite defense at Georgia, not just because of the term Israel Mukwamu inter- intercepting the passes, but because your D-line, and not just Javon Kinlaw, dominated one of the best offensive lines in college football, you know manned up and and kept Georgia from running all over you and scoring touchdowns and put pressure on from and blah, blah, blah. And then you come back the next week and, and it is what it is. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know who's calling the defense. I don't know if it's all Robinson or Muschamp. You know, you, there's some telltale signs like Keith mentioned. Uh, so I don't know. But, you know, Tanner said that, you know, that, that, that was at the opening press conference and that's what that was supposed to be. And in year five, there's absolutely no excuse. And look, I know it was unfortunate that they're missing Sorrels. It was unfortunate that Josh Belt decided to quit football and go be a truck driver. It was unfortunate they couldn't get Jakeem Green in and because the SEC didn't allow a certain class, although the mighty academic, you know, powerhouse Big Ten could. You know, those are all unfortunate things, but you got to make up for them. You know, you can't just sit there. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of beef on the interior, but you can't just sit there and say, well, we're going to go with these guys. In my opinion, you know, you got to find guys. You know, you, you find defensive tackles out there, you know, somebody. Uh, and I don't know that it's all on the tackles. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know, you know. Thank you, Mark. Preston says, embarrassing. Losing by 35 to this LSU team with a fourth of the crowd, I think it's safe to say it's time for Muschamp to go. Can't lose Tennessee and this LSU team in year five like this. Hill, I don't think, has it to be elite in this conference. 
with how bad the O-line is. The O-line's not bad. They just didn't protect well. I think it's time for Doty to get some time. I, I'd give it a couple more weeks, but at some point, if you if you honestly continue to not be able to pass block, you, you probably should do it. No progress has been shown in five years. Agree with that. The kickoff return for a touchdown sums it up. Yeah, a contact said that killed him. Uh, the momentum was coming back to the sideline. It's 31-17. You're only two touchdowns down. You, you went right down the field. Um, no speed guys on the kickoff team, and it shows. Yeah, well, you had two guys miss tack- solo tackles right there. Spur used to have Demir Byrne on the kickoff team. I remember him chasing down several guys to save a touchdown. Not sure, sure who we can get to change the program. I just hope Muschamp's gone. We can keep Stockton and get a guy like Kamari Wilson that will change the program. You're not getting either one of those guys if Muschamp's gone. Um, if uh, Bobo happens to stay on some staff, hypothetically, probably could still keep Stockton. I'm not buying that Connor Shaw is going to end up saving the day there either if if, if the staff is gone. And I don't think Kamari Wilson that, – that, that's not happening. Because, um, again, you know, right now it's kind of a catch-22 because when you're not winning, it's not about South Carolina. It's about the relationships with the players. Am I wrong about anything? Would love your thoughts. A few things, Preston. But, I mean, in my opinion – you're not wrong. There's nothing's ever wrong. I mean, it's uh, that's what's beautiful about the podcast and, and the website and other things. I don't really discuss things on social media, but uh, you know that's what's good about all those venues is you, you, you're never wrong. It, it's it's always happy and, and, and a positive thing, in my opinion, uh, to talk it out because you know, otherwise you're just sitting there upset and your dog thinks you hate him. Like what happened Saturday night to me. I'm, I yelled a little at the TV, the dog gets up and he's, he has to go hide under the, the table. Cause he thinks I'm mad at him. It's not good. Uh, thanks Preston for that email. Noah said, before I start, sorry about the negativity. Noah, that is just fine. It, it's, it is a negative experience. I mean, I think it'd be kind of crazy if I got on here and was like, hey, hey, guys, guys, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. We're going to be all right. I saw some good things. I mean, <laughs> I think I think, I think, think you could go inside the No Credibility podcast at that point. Losing to LSU isn't that bad. Losing 52 to 24 is always unacceptable in a coach's fifth season. Agreed. I've defended Muschamp for a long time now, but I'm done. The only thing that has been consistent is failure to live up to expectations. How does Steve Sarkeesian to South Carolina sound? I mean, I like Sark's offense. I think, I think Sark has found a niche with what he likes to do offensively at Alabama. South Carolina does not have Alabama players. Would he be able to recruit at South Carolina? He recruited well at Washington, um, which which is Washington historically is a great program um, as far as, uh, you know, being, you know, having a history, winning a national championship, all that. Uh, I will say, you know, at the time he took it over, it was tough to get players, and he really did kind of set the table for – some of those Chris Peterson teams. Now he didn't win a whole lot. He was 34 and 29 at Washington, but uh, he did recruit well. Um, I don't know. It, would he be a fit over some of the other guys? I don't know. I, I, I know that 
everybody loves his offense now. And, and quite frankly, I do too. I, I think with what they're doing, it's, it's good, but, and he, you know, he, he talked to Mississippi state about that job. Um, but Mississippi state, if you notice, and I talked to, I was on the air in Tuscaloosa this morning. They're asking if Mike Leach was a fit. And, and I think it's too early to tell Mississippi state though, has had three straight guys that, you know, are not from the South, Dan Mullen, Joe Moorhead, uh, and then um, uh, Mike Leach, you know, those guys are all from elsewhere. And so, so they kind of have a trend of doing that, uh, you know, and, and I don't care where the next coach is necessarily from, um, but it, it's got to be the right fit. And, and also you have to ask yourself a question, you know, if you're Ray Tanner, uh, assuming the, the, the stupidity doesn't, you know, win out and, you know, people decide that, Okay, so and, and here's what I say about the stupidity. Let's say the change needs. Let's say let's say you're sitting there at two and seven before the Kentucky game that week, and you just got boat raced by Georgia. Okay, um, obviously that's not good. And a football change needs to be made, and the board of trustees and school president decide we're going to give the football program another year, <laughs> but we're going to fire the AD. That helps nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. You got a football problem, you know, you got to fix the football program. Now you want to get into does Ray Tanner does not deserve to hire the next coach. Well, fine. Form a committee. You know, you want to push Ray out, push him out later, you know, form a committee, get Caslin involved. You know, use a search firm to kind of choose him for. I don't care. I don't think there's any way Tanner can screw the next hire up, just knowing who's out there. I mean, will it be a situation where a guy would automatically win? No. Will it be a situation where you look back and go, well, that was, you know, I've always called Muschamp a gutsy hire because, you know, you can't hire a guy, you know, that's been fired from, a division team, you know, and, and, uh, you know, when that team's historically bad, you know, that, that goes against the playbook, the card, that was a gut feeling. Ray Tanner, that was the opposite of what the, the Tampa Bay Rays manager did last night. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and that's Tanner, you know. Um, and, and, and so what I'm saying is, you know, even if the next guy wouldn't work out, you're going to go, well, that's made, that makes sense, and that's why you hired him. I mean, quite frankly, it made sense while you hired him. I mean, I go back to that with Muschamp because I go back to that first press conference. Well, everybody's talking about how good the defense is going to be, and everybody's talking about an explosive offense that makes you defend the whole field. And now none of those things have happened. But, you know, at the time it made sense, and I do think he has rebuilt the roster. But, uh, you know, so – um, back to your point, Noah, about Sarkeesian. If you're Ray Tanner, do you want to hire a guy that's been fired again? I just don't know that I'd do it. I would I would hire either a guy that's, you know, never coached a game because if you look around, you know, Ryan Day, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Bob Stoops when he was at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley now, um, Many of the top coaches in college football uh, have – this is their first job, you know, Gary Patterson. Um, 
And, and I think you almost insulate yourself a little bit with that because, yeah, you hadn't won anything, but hadn't lost, you hadn't lost anything either, you know. So, so nobody's sitting there pointing to the time you got beat by Missouri and held them to 77 yards of total offense and lost 42 to 13. And that, that was always going to be Muschamp's issue is, is, is can you get off the Florida, you know, can, can the Florida thing, you know, not be your albatross. And, you know, the idea was, well, well, don't let the same thing happen. Well, now, you know, it, it, it's almost even worse because Florida did have pretty good defense. So, but th- that that's the question on a guy like Sarkeesian. Does you know? Are you going to be that team? Are you know? Are you going to give another guy a second chance yet again? And I think that's hard, especially if Ray Tanner makes the hire. Okay. James says, JC must have mentioned mentioned in his post game press conference. He wasn't happy with the run D against Vandy or Auburn either. Seems like we hadn't been all that great against the run all year. Is there anything that could fix this? Was hoping Rick Sandage could take the next step. Is he still developing? Is there something else there? Very inconsistent. Uh, but, you know, I, I would go with it. Uh, I would probably also look at Kier Thomas as more of an end. Because, look, man, if you can't stop the run, then then who? It, it, it's point. I mean, you know, you got a corner that shuts down his side of the field anyway. That's an advantage. But if you can't stop the run – you know, it doesn't matter what kind of pass defense you play. If you cannot stop the run, you know, so I'd probably slide Thomas out to that other end. I'd, I'd bring Sterling in situationally. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd play in Igbari and I'd also start playing Birch more to go with more of a true four down. I'd bring Sandage in and play him with Pickens, rotate Ellis in as the depth. Boogie Huntley is going to be back. He could probably get in there and get, eat some snaps for you. And so can, you know, you can slide Thomas back inside. But, you know, this whole thing lining up with a 235-pound end and a 270-pound tackle in the NCC, um, and they're holding their own. They're not They're not the ones necessarily getting blown off the ball. You know, you gotta. you got to just say, hey, look, you know, let's get some more beef out here and at least try. Um, so, so that would be the thing with me, I, I would say that. Maybe – uh, you know, Joe Anderson's kind of in that Rick Sandage area where everybody's kind of scratching their heads. I don't, I don't know what the issue is there, but uh, yeah, I mean, you got to play some more guys. You know, like one true thing Steve Spurrier said was, if it's not working out, try somebody else. And um, I think run defense wise, you got to do it. And if you got to get some guys close to the line of scrimmage and live with a big play. Uh, in the passing game because of it, that's fine. I mean, you know, you just cannot let teams run the football on you. Vandy did break out some runs, my champ's right. And Auburn ran the ball against Carolina. I mean, we, we, we probably didn't notice it, but there were some runs that came out by Knicks and Tank Bigsby both. And, and then, you know, LSU just runs roughshod. LSU is not this big, powerful run team coming into the game. You know, so I would fix it. I, I and I would I would start with different personnel. Now this staff has not normally done that, um, and I think that it's fine if you stick with your guys. But if you do and you get beat, you know you you got to live with the consequences as part of running a football program. Thank you, James Hudson says. 
We are who we thought we were. Love the podcast. Always makes the daily commute more bearable. Even after a wop side of loss in the game, I really like Muschamp. I think he's a coach the players rally behind. Yeah, some people ask me today if, or this week if, if he thinks Muschamp's, if they think Muschamp's lost the locker room. Not right now. Now, when the losses pile up, it's hard for any coach to kind of keep guys focused. However, it's becoming more and more evident he's not getting the job done, and there is no consistency. Too many times when the fans are backing behind the team, they show up to a big game, and it looks like they traded jerseys with the JV squad, constantly look lethargic, lost, and confused. Opportunity was there to win back more of the fan base against LSU, and in my opinion, a win wasn't needed, just be competitive. But again, as you say, the rug was ripped out from under us. And that that's a trend. Keith and I talked about that yesterday. This is the pattern of behavior from this football program at this point. Going back to 2017, you know, it's a it's a pattern of you finally do something good. It's like you're it's like you're drowning and you grasp, you gasp for air and you finally feel like your head's up there and you can breathe a little bit and then you get jerked back under the water. Anyway, enough complaining. My question for you as a guy who has a pretty good idea of the ins and outs of the program, what does Muschamp do differently than other coaches at lesser programs before big games that makes us look so unprepared? Nothing. Believe me, I've gone to the end of the earth. I've been like, you know, Sherlock Holmes about this, okay? And and I know enough people that have worked with the guy at Texas, Florida, South Carolina, Enough people that are at practice every day. Well, you know, and sometimes you, you look and you go, well, you know, this is what's going on at practice. You know, this is why, you know, sometimes this happens. Like with Steve Spurrier, sometimes you'd hear, well, the, the defense is, um, you know, not that good to start with because, you know, Spurrier doesn't like to have a lot of physical practices, which, by the way, was was a pretty good idea, I think, because you know he's avoided, you know they've avoided they avoided a lot of the injuries, you know, and maybe maybe they're not having physical practices this year. I haven't heard that. I've heard they're basically doing the same thing because um, they haven't had the number of injuries. Uh, it seems like his approach to let the other team control the entirety of the game, and we will hopefully make a few plays. Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know that he intentionally lets the other team control. Uh, sorry for a long-winded email Sunday after losses are tough, but we should be accustomed by that right now. Again, thanks for all you do. Also, thank God we didn't open with Coastal. Depending on which Gamecock crew showed up, we could have been embarrassed. I think that probably could have been one of those games where you sit there and go, crap, 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 the whole game. But I don't know that Coastal comes in there and wins. I, I think I think if that happened, and Coastal come into Columbia and won, I mean, because you got you, some of these guys on the board of trustees aren't fans of the school in Conway at all, and, and and it apparently goes way back to when they were a branch campus and all that. So I think you're, I think a, a loss to Coastal in any sport sort of wakes up the echoes a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, of course, Eddie Fogler's SEC championship basketball team lost to Coastal at home, uh, and UNC Asheville. Uh, and ended up being one of the better teams in the country. But that was forgiven, you know, because he, he won the SEC. But, you know, you lose to Coastal at home in football, uh, that's a different dynamic at South Carolina with the, some of the power brokers. But, hey, they got a good team. 
always thought Jamie Chadwell is a really good coach. Uh, I'd like I, I I want to see kind of his deal sustaining something where he's got to recruit a while, go through a cycle and all that. But certainly you can't argue with the Chanticleers being as good as they are this year uh, within the state of South Carolina. Uh, but that would have been, that would have been interesting. It would have, I tend to think the game guys would have pulled it out, but it would have been probably closer than we all have been comfortable with. All right. little breaking news came in South Carolina North Carolina State have uh, announced a two-game series. Gamecocks will play the Wolfpack at Williams-Brice September 14th, 2030, 10 years from now. Curious to see what the world looks like then, hopefully good. <laughs> and then the following season, um, the Gamecocks will open at Carter-Finley up in Raleigh. Uh, so no Charlotte games there for those of you that don't like it. I, I think the fan base – has revolted against that. And, and look, I'll say this too about the neutral games. There's a trend going kind of away from it uh, with a lot of schools. If you look at what kind of how Alabama's scheduling now, you know, they love Alabama loves neutral site games. Well, they're, they're kind of trending a little bit away from all that now. So uh, that's good. Home and home. So you get to go up to Raleigh. Uh, it's twenty thirty one. That'll be the first time in twenty two years the Gamecocks have gone up there, uh, and vice versa with NC State. Carolina played NC State in twenty seventeen in Charlotte to open it up. Last time they played, the mailbag rocks on and continues on here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Again, Inside the Gamecocks at gmail or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Reggie says, JC, thanks for everything you do with the pod. Been listening a lot on the Gamecocks ever since episode one. I really missed your takes when you left. Your analysis is as good as it gets for Gamecock football. Thank you, Reggie. You've always been a must-champ supporter because I think he's modernized the program in many important ways and was given a team of significant issues in 2015. That's all true. But I'm losing the faith five years in, and we're consistently dealing with no depth at key positions, inconsistent play on defense, uh, getting shredded in mad coverage, weird game plans against freshman quarterbacks, horrible tackling at times, terrible special teams, gaffes. And that's what they are. Special teams consistently is solid. But you get in a game like that, and just like Tennessee last year, you had two special teams issues come back and get you. That, that kind of stuff will bite you. And lack of discipline from certain guys who are too interested in talking smack. We also see weird time management. Uh, field goals down 21 points with a guy who is one for eight for 50 yards plus three elite 11 quarterbacks, none of which has been uh, to be developed better than Hill. Note that I think Hill's played pretty well. It's just interesting. Yeah, but, you know, Joyner was going to have issues unless they ran a certain style of offense. That's one. Um, you know, Helensky's still there. He's got a shot. He's just got to develop, and then Doty's a freshman. Um, so, I I don't know. You know, Helensky, you know, it's 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 just one of those things. Where he's just he just wasn't ready last year, and he's not ready this year. But I mean, he, he's still young. You know, offensive play calling is night and day from last year, but the execution's still lacking. True. There are just games where you know from the start we're not all there. I get when a team has more talent, but this happens all the time against teams where the talent gap isn't really a factor. I feel like an Eskimo standing in the middle of a frozen tundra 
holding a $15 million glass of melted ice chips. Time to cut ties with boom. Curious to get your take. Thanks as always for taking listeners questions and emails. Um, I'm going to say this about this, you know, it's tough if nobody makes any coaching changes this year uh, because of the pandemic for any school, I think to, to make it, you know, make it, make a change. Um, I'll say this about the money. The university of South Carolina is a $1.6 billion a year enterprise with a B. Uh, You can spread that out uh, over the, uh, the course of however many years. Now, um, I don't see any mitigation clause in that contract, which is another, I mean, boy, Will Muschamp has a good agent, you know. <laughs> uh, in other words, mitigation is where uh, he gets another job. And so, you know, let's say, let's say Muschamp goes to the NFL or goes to Alabama and makes 1.5 as a coordinator or something, then that money comes, gets subtracted off. I, I don't, there may be a clause like that in there, but I haven't seen it. Um, and admittedly, I'm not an attorney, so maybe maybe it's there. Uh, but but look, you, you, you can't just sit there and, and, and hold serve if things go bad. I mean, and, and, and things are bad right now heading into the open date because of the shocking nature of the game. But what I'm talking about is, look, man, you leave Oxford, Mississippi at two and five with Missouri coming to town. And Eli Drinkwitz comes in there and beats you again, even if he doesn't. I mean, you know, at that point, you know, like, well, let's say they lose to uh, A&M, Ole Miss, and Missouri. You lose to Ole Miss, Missouri, back-to-back. You have lost to two programs that are that, that fired their coaches last year and hired new guys. All right? that's uh, that That should tell you that maybe you're not, you know, Maybe you're not uh, heading in the right direction. Um, so, so that's my thought about it. I mean, it, it's a mess, and, and, and honest to God, that's why I thought, although, I, I, you know, they kept Muschamp, I thought he did a great job recruiting. I thought, I thought he was tremendous with the way he led the program through the COVID situation and through the social unrest over the summer. Um, all those things do matter because – what you don't want to have happen is a, is a roster that's upset that doesn't trust you and some embarrassing things happen like what happened at Florida state this off season or, or with some other players uh, at other schools. And then they kept that together. And, you know, certainly, you know, the COVID situation touched South Carolina. I could did everywhere else, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, you know? So I, I think, you know, up until the point of, the end of the Tennessee game, you know, it looked like, well, that's probably not a bad deal keeping him given these circumstances, but you could have done it last year and and the money was tough, but it was, you know, you weren't facing a $48 million loss like you are now. Um, and so now it's just, it's sticky. It's a very sticky situation. Uh, but I, I think, you know, as bad as things are after that LSU game, they're going to have to get a lot worse. And it's nothing that wins in the next three games, you know, aren't going to solve. I mean, you're five and three heading into the Georgia game. I don't think anybody's going to be complaining. Um, Cause then at that point you're going bowling, you know, get to a bowl this year. That's fine. And I've said that uh, I said that when they hired Bobo because they went out and invested in new staff, uh, which costs money. 
Uh, I was like, well, when you hire Bobo, if he can get the team back to a bowl, uh, I think that, you, you know, you have to say, all right, well, they're heading back. You got to give them another year six. Um, now, I didn't know there was going to be an all SEC schedule, but at the same time, I don't think you can grade that on a curve um, unless you just look around college football and you're going to be kind of a, it's going to be this big faux pas if you, if you make a change because everybody's going to be wondering why. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I will be stunned if some of these teams that are struggling don't make a change. You know, I, 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 and, and you listen to the agents, and agents' jobs are, you know, to kind of, you know, talk up their clients and get their clients' money. And you listen to the people that are in the college carousel world, they don't believe for a second there's going to be no changes. I mean, it's just it's just that kind of big deal. So we'll see what happens. Got to hurry through some of these. Uh, Dr. Rob says, JC, thanks for all you do. Good luck the next two or three weeks answering questions, I'm sure. Gamecock Nation will be all roses and sunshine. I've been a must-champ supporter, but now I think he was the right guy to get the program back on track in terms of fixing the culture, the talent base, and the little things programs need to be successful. I now openly wonder if he's – just the guy before the guy who takes the program to new heights. I think that's possible. With that being said, my question is the board of trustees, they just put you in charge of the athletic department and gave you full power and resources with all you need with one objective, fix the program. What would you do today? And what would you do moving forward? Thanks in advance for providing much needed mental therapy this week and next. Well, I'd see how the next two weeks go first and foremost. I mean, cause I don't, I don't think at two and three, you know, if you, if you kind of looked at it at the beginning of the year when some people had Auburn ranked as high as third, that was a little high. Uh, and LSU was in the top five. Uh, I think you kind of look at it and thought, well, yeah, Florida's in the top ten. Well, you know, beat Vanderbilt and then beat Tennessee in the opener and go into the open date two and three uh, at, at, at worst. Um, and they're two and three. They lost to Tennessee, which was bad, um, and and then beat Auburn. You know, so so I think two and three. It's not you're not circling the drain yet. But I'd see how the next two or three weeks, especially the next three weeks, see how they go. Uh, and then if, if if things don't go well, I'd probably have an interim. Um, you know, and uh, maybe you know let Bobo coach it out, or Bobby Bentley, or Eric Wolford, or whoever. Um, you know, because what must be done eventually should be should be done immediately. You know, and and I think, you know, in that case, you know, maybe you know one of the other guys on staff deserves a shot. Maybe not, because Muschamp is probably the type of guy that wants to coach it out. And I think if he wanted to do it, maybe I'd do that. But uh, and then I'd I'd go try to find the best coach uh, that South Carolina can hire i mean you know you, you need to go do that and you need to have an open mind uh I, I don't think that necessarily it's i think at some point this program has to you know you, you got to look at what's worked in the past but you also have to look at you know the the, the actual individual you know what what are their talk well you know what are they going to do to do it now the, the problem with that is and the problem with the Will Muschamp era in the hire in general is when you, if you, you sat down to interview the guy, you'd be like, this guy has the best plan, <laughs> you know? Um, and um, 
that's what's just so unfortunate about it. But, you know, I think you just go find the best fit. And and it's uh, there are some guys out there that have, you know, I'd either hire a guy that's never coached a game, never lost a game, uh, or I'd hire a guy that's been successful, you know, at, at, at his previous stop. Uh, like, like the guy that mentioned Sarkeesian earlier, I would stay away from anybody that's been fired before. Uh, and, and that's just kind of, you know, how it is. Uh, and then, you know, I do some other things like get the spurs on the rooster statue because I think that's ridiculous. Um, and I move the marching band to the loudest corner of the stadium like I've been wanting to do for 20 years. But, you know, <laughs> just those things. But anyway, I I I, uh, I want to make clear I'm not – if Muschamp loses the next two or three – the next three games, I'm not calling on Ray Tanner to fire him in the middle of the year. I don't want you guys to think I'm – you know, burning the torch right now. But, you know, I think these next three games are very important, especially, I mean, look, you know, A&M's that much more important now because of what happened against LSU. You know, you got to get above water. And and I think Ole Miss and Missouri are important because those are first-year coaches. Um, and uh, one is in the East, and one, you, you, you know, the, the SEC East team you're playing – you play him for a trophy every year, and uh, and he beat you when he's at App last year and talked a little smack on the way out the door. So, uh, you know, you, you don't need to lose that game, you know, uh, and you don't need to lose to Ole Miss, and you probably need to find a way to beat Texas A&M, just to be quite honest, because, you know, you had an opportunity, you blew it, so you got to come back and – Look, LA, uh, Texas A&M, Isaiah Spiller and those guys, they're going to run all over Carolina if they don't fix the defense. I mean, you, you can forget it. Um, so that's that's what I'd do. You know, Cartwright says, I put most of this game on Colin. I don't, uh, I don't think it's on Colin at all. Uh, LSU didn't punt. Um, and I've been on the con train all year, but he seemed too scared to throw the deep ball. There's no, I mean, look, and it's easy on TV because when the play stops, every other defensive players are heading the other end. You're like, oh, that guy's open. Um, we know he can throw it, but he took something off the long one to Mullins. I agree there. Double clutch that throw like he was scared to throw it, paused and chose not to throw it up to guys who were open deep and got sacked. It happened multiple times. I don't know that those guys were open. I agree he played tentative in the game. I don't understand that at all. He's NFL talent, but second-guessed himself all game. And, and that's the thing, too. And that's kind of why I put Colin in the hot spot last week, Cartwright, because I, I I felt like against Auburn I saw a little of that, that he just wasn't trusting himself. And, you know, I thought against Florida and against Tennessee and against Vandy that wasn't, that wasn't the issue. You know, I thought he was playing very confident. The immobility we have at quarterback seems to hold us back. This seems to be a consistent issue in college football when you have someone that can't escape the pocket uh, or move up in the pocket when you need to early. Enough thoughts on all this. Could, could we see Doty soon? It would appear we need to change any insider info. I don't agree that there needs to be a change right now. Again, let's go through the next couple of games. Let's see what happens. I agree Colin needs to play more confident. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought he did against Tennessee, to be quite frank. And I thought against Florida he did. And I thought against Vandy he did. Um could we see Doty soon? Um, that would be kind of a sellout. You know, you sell that out and say, all right, we're just going to start. You know, South Carolina can run the football offensively, and you just say, all right, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to try to be really hard to stop. 
Um, that's not really Bobo's system. Um, but, you, you know, the question with moving to Doty would be, does he know enough to where you can keep defenses honest and all that? So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I You know, it, it's just hard. Like, you know, you want to put – like the offense could have scored 38 instead of 24. You know, you don't put that on Colin. That's fine. But when you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown – uh, when you when the other team doesn't punt and has you know 550 yards of total offense, when they run for 276, when they're averaging 96 coming into the game, you know you you got issues on defense. Um, and I agree with some of your, you know, opinions on Colin and, and his performance. Uh, and I saw a little that against Auburn too. So uh, he's got to he's got to play confident, obviously. Got to play confident. Mitchell says, just Mitchell back for another question on the podcast. This time it's about 2022 in South Carolina. As you know, South Carolina is much better for 2022 um, with recruits for three guys from Greenville County, Jalen Steve from Hilton Head and Adam Randall from Myrtle Beach. The bad news is Clemson's offered everyone except Sneed. And uh, one of the Clemson insiders gave a crystal ball selection to Randall which now is close to getting four blue chip recruits from the state. Do you think it's paramount? The game guys need to get Randall Sneed and one of the Greenville County players to make the 2022 class successful. In my opinion, anything short of that will make the class a disappointment. Um, I, I, you know, I, I always think it's – I'll say generally, Mitchell, it's important for South Carolina to get in-state talent. Uh, I think it's very difficult when three of the top five guys are from Greenville County – I think it's also very difficult, even though Adam Randall can probably clearly see that, you know, he's going to get more playing time at Carolina. Uh, when you're a receiver and Clemson offers you these days and you look at the guys they put in the NFL and you look at the players they have and the success they've had, it's just, it just gets difficult. Um, and then at Hilton Head, you know, if South Carolina gets a player out of Hilton Head in the next 10 years, uh, I'll be stunned. So, yeah, it's not shaping up to be good for 2022. But, look, I mean, you can't blame a lot of these guys. You know, guys are making decisions earlier, et cetera. Uh, I know South Carolina does have Gunnar Stockton. I think they can hang in with Randall, but the word around the campfire in Myrtle Beach for the people I talk to is Clemson. Um, you know, I, I think the other three from Greenville are gone. Uh, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be Clemson. Uh, and, and look, it's Greenville. Uh, so Clemson should sign when you got three top guys in Greenville County, you, you should sign them if you're Clemson, just like when you got three top guys in Richland and Lexington County, you should sign them if you're South Carolina. Um, and, and so that's the deal. And, and I do think, you know, anytime South Carolina could not get, you know, the, the top talent from in the state, it is disappointment. The staff's done a pretty good job of that, but, the, it, it's not lining up well for 2022, just in terms of where those guys are. Now, you know, Randall, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Lucas, Skinner, and Sadler, I'd pencil them in for Clemson. Uh, Sneed, probably pencil him in to go out of state somewhere at this point. Thanks, Mitchell, for the recruiting question. Jeremy says, I've been a long time a supporter and excuse maker for Muschamp, constantly arguing uh, – with my brother-in-law because he's on the first Ray Tanner wagon, uh, probably the fire Ray first wagon. What the heck do I say now though? 
I'm done with excuses. Ray Tanner actually does need to make a move and get rid of Muschamp because, quite frankly, the recruiting class is crap and it's only getting worse. I don't. Yeah, there's some guys in there that can play. Uh, I, I wouldn't just trash the whole class because of the ranking. Uh, how attractive is the Carolina job now that Muschamp's reloaded the team and the facilities are looking so swaggy? That's what a lot of people don't understand, man. Is that they're like, oh, you know, they think like fans, you know. Fans think one way, okay. Recruits think a different way. Coaches that are interested in jobs think a third way, okay. It's not so much, you know, oh, they've lost, or, you know, and like there's all that talk about Tom Herman after the Carolina lost to the Citadel. That's what cost him the job. That, that's just, that's a, that's a rumor. Okay, somebody somewhere in coaching with some credibility said that. I, I just I just don't think – now, that's probably when he decided to finally turn down the job because it was getting late and Tanner needed a decision. But, but, but Tom Herman, you know, is where he was going to be right now. Um, Jeremy asked, could we lure away a Matt Campbell or P.J. Fleck? P.J. Fleck would take a treasure trove of money – I've heard Campbell's not leaving Iowa State unless it's for the NFL or like a, a Midwestern job like Michigan or Notre Dame. Now, that said, I've heard that, but uh, but I've also, you know, you kind of look around a couple years ago and when there were some openings in the SEC and it's like Matt Campbell's, according to sources, interested in any SEC opening or whatever. I was kind of thought Matt Campbell may end up at Auburn at some point. I'm always a positive thinker, but I, along with a lot of my fellow fans, are getting close to turning off TVs and quitting caring. Giving me hope, JC, or I'm converting to a Coastal Carolina football fan until stuff changes. You're still the man, though. I, you know, look, I, I, I get it. All I can say is, you know, next three games, you know, that this is it. There are no more excuses. Uh, and it's tough because Texas A&M's playing pretty good football and, Ole Miss is out there, and all of a sudden Missouri's playing good football. You never know week to week, but yeah, they've got to change it, and they got to get better on defense. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. You know that they don't give up so many big plays on defense, and then don't get run over. You know, this team could be in pretty good shape right now. Maybe not five and zero, but maybe four and one with a close loss. I mean, the the, the issues. In my opinion, I'm not saying and there are there are issues on offense, but there's enough there to make things happen, especially running the football, uh, selectively throwing, doing whatever. But I mean, you know, I can't remember the last time South Carolina had two running backs averaging what you know Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick are doing. There you go. I guess those two were pretty good recruits, huh? <laughs> um. You know, I, so, so I don't know. I mean, they, they got to fix the defense, and Colin Hill's got to play with more confidence. Those are my two keys uh, against A&M. It's a night game at Williams-Price. I know the crowd's not the same, but, you know, Carolina's been playing pretty well at home, and the crowds that have been showing up are loud. Um, it's a chance to get to A&M for the first time. You go win that one, and then it's the same thing. You know, you, you're going on the road again. Uh, and you're playing a Lane Kiffin coached Ole Miss team that you don't need to lose to. I mean, you don't need to lose to Ole Miss and Missouri this year. 
You know, I think they could beat Kentucky because Kentucky's sort of up and down. But, you know, what if Kentucky decides to play that week? So so that's the whole thing. These next three games are going to define the era. But you ask uh, coaches are being attracted to the job. There are plenty of coaches uh, that would take the job. Probably not Matt Campbell or P.J. Fleck. But there's some guys out there that can get it done that are pretty well thought of. Um, Isaiah says, hey, JC, hope all is well. Just want to know your thoughts of USC getting Tyron Ingram Dawkins. Where do you see him going with the possibility of Muschamp not coming back next year? Yeah, that's probably not easy. Um, I think probably he's going to go to Georgia. Uh, now my folks around Gaffney still think he's coming to South Carolina and all that. And South Carolina feels somewhat confident, but um, and maybe he just goes to Tennessee anyway even though they fired the defensive line coach in the middle of the year. But I I would I, – right now, I'd guess he, he's going to Georgia. But that, that's not what sources are saying. But I, that's just kind of my gut. Things are going poorly, you know. And it would be nice and great if they could get him. Heck, they, they could use him this year. But, um, you know, my guess is, just with the way things trend, that uh, he'll announce for the Bulldogs. I will say – Probably not over. Thomas, he says, well, so much for the idea of Jalen Brooks exploding onto the scene. He went largely the way of Luke Doty, a lot of hype, and then womp, womp, womp. I was pretty realistic about that guy last week. Uh, I, I thought it was a lot to ask for him to come in first game, having not played in the SEC against some of the defensive backs LSU has. It made a difference. And not only did he not make a difference – he got jammed on the pick six and looked bad doing it. Do you think uh, Tanner really believes uh, Muschamp, a far lesser coach than Spurrier, is going to s- succeed in the same same time frame as Spurrier? In other words, is it year six? He's going to take the next big step. Um, look, man. I mean, I'd be concerned, uh, you know, about the defense again. You know, I, I think I think when you look at year six. Uh, everybody's redshirting this year anyway. You're going to have guys coming back. Uh, you're going to probably be better at receiver, especially if you can hit the transfer market for a guy or two. Uh, everybody's older. The offensive line will be better, and it's already good. You're going to have three running backs who are pretty doggone good with Lloyd and Harris and Fenwick, um, and then some guys coming in like Caleb McDowell. So you'll be able to run the football. But, dude – if you can't stop people and teams aren't punting against you, it doesn't matter what you got on. And see, that was the Spurrier deal, man. You know, Spurrier in 09 had a good offense, not a great offense. You know, Garcia, uh, Kenny Miles, those guys had some games where they struggled to score. And Ellis Johnson had the makings of a good defense that was going to take a, a somewhat of a step the next year. Gilmore was a true freshman. Um, and, and the 2010 defense wasn't perfect, but Marcus Lattimore came in and all of a sudden, you know, Carolina had a workhorse and, and that was the missing piece for that offense. And I, you know, there's not a missing piece for the defense right now. I mean, it's a total unit thing and some guys are going to leave probably. Lastly, five years ago, we lost to LSU 45, 24, the OBC quit and many point to how terrible that roster was when he left behind for Muschamp to inherit. Now, after five years, it's supposed 
supposed building and better recruiting. We lose 52 to 17. It's actually 52, 24. Can we been to at least, can we begin to at least discuss that he's not unlucky? He's just not very good. An unlucky coach doesn't get hired at a destination job in the destination conference with zero head coaching experience. And they get a second job in the same destination conference after being fired for not winning. There are a lot of coaches that would argue out there that that coach was extremely lucky. Yeah. He's, he's as far as his job prospects go. Absolutely. But you know, you don't normally get jobs based on luck. You get jobs because you interview well, you have a plan that makes sense, you know, all that. Uh, I, I don't think comparing the score against LSU five years ago is, is a valid thing. I don't think comparing scores are valid at all. You know, I mean, like, Somebody tried to tell me that uh, Ryan Helensky played a better game against Florida in 2019 because they had 27 and then they only had 24 in the swamp this year. And, I, you know, I, I don't think that's the way to judge it. Um, and, and I don't think that this roster, you know, and if you think, you know, this roster that, that Muschamp has is, is anywhere close to as bad as that roster, uh, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it, it's it, that's what's so baffling about it. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you talk about being unlucky, you talk about things like the ball hitting Cam Smith in the leg against Tennessee or Marshawn Lloyd being out for the year, which obviously has not hurt them that bad. Um, or, you know, like had the kickoff return – been are the pick six against LSU been the difference in the game? 52 to 24 has nothing to do with luck. This is not the 2018 defense where, you know, by the time they played Clemson, they were just throwing whoever out there, you know, because they didn't have anybody to go play. That's unlucky because your guys are hurt because you got you've suffered freak injuries. There's no Thomas, there's no injuries on this team, you know. Uh, who, who are they? I guess they're missing Sherrod Green, but you, you should have other linebackers by now. You know, you got Jamar Brown, Mo Kaba over there if you don't want to play Staley. You know, somebody should have thought about that. Um, you know, I, I, I love Rosendo Lewis as a prospect, but I'm not going to sit here and say they, they totally miss him and that that's the guy that's going to be the big key. I mean, I hope so. God, I've been kind of waiting for him to, to do some things. I think this is his third year. So so that's unlucky. Um, unlucky, it would be kind of the way the schedule set up this year. You know, all right, well, you can finally do something. But, you know, you're in the middle of a pandemic. But uh, the guy that mentioned Coastal Carolina earlier, Thomas, uh, if South Carolina played defense against Coastal Carolina the way they played against LSU Saturday night, they would lose that football game. They would lose that. They would lose to the Chanticleers. Bottom line. Bottom line. So we'll see. You know, I, I think there's some things that, that are that are unfortunate, but I think that when you look at the, you know, what happened Saturday night, that you can't you can't point to that. You, you can't point to luck um it almost felt a lot like that north carolina game last year and even though that north carolina game was close and the gamecocks you know should have won it you know same kind of deal you know you're just like there there was nothing like well there wasn't a bad call you know there wasn't a you know 
somebody didn't, you know, it wasn't like Auburn, who's gotten some fortunate calls in the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't any kind of situation like that at all. Um, and so, so, so to me, that's luck. That's luck. That's luck. So, yeah, I don't know. Is year, year six going to be the next step? You know, this, I, I don't – I can't say that because this is a different kind of year five. I mean, you can kind of see in year five when Spurrier brought in Lorenzo Ward and G.A. Mangus and Jay Graham, and he had Ellis Johnson sitting there, um, and, and uh, Craig Fitzgerald came in as the strength coach. You could see it starting to turn – Probably when they played Florida and they wore those uh, Army jerseys, or Wounded Warrior jerseys, you know, Florida was number two in the country. They hadn't lost or been challenged in a while, and Gamecocks played them pretty close, and that was a team that beat them 56-6 to the year before. And then a couple of weeks later, the Gamecocks beat Clemson's ACC Atlantic Championship team. Um and even yet, then they went to the bowl and screwed up that game against Connecticut. But that team also beat a really good old Miss team that they're kind of figured it out at that point. That was different than 07 and 08, uh, which were, was year three and four. But I, I you know, I, I don't see those same kind of signs. Uh, and I don't think South Carolina, after all the success Steve Spurrier had, should ever be, it was a six year build. If it was a six-year build, it was a six-year build in the right direction. In other words, you start six and six, you know, you need to be six wins, seven wins, seven wins, eight wins, eight wins, seven wins, you know, whatever, and keep it afloat like Steve Spurrier did when he took over, and then it jumps. Right now, the next jump is to get back to a bowl, you know, which is why last year I, 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 all these people that were like, oh, they need he needs more time, I – you know, how much more time – it's not how much more time does he deserve or need. It's how much more time uh, can they afford. All right, Thomas says, that seems to be an ongoing narrative until the past couple of weeks that the staff had recruited well along the defensive line. They have. Uh, now it seems there are size issues. What has happened there? I don't know. I don't know why the bigger guys aren't playing. Also, there's a belief by some early that the idea of having multiple fronts may not result in the best recruiting results because you're looking for all types and it can call depth issues. Do you think this is part of the problem? This is kind of told to me, and I I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. I think if you're of the the school of thought, and there's a lot of you out there that are, that you you need the true DN that's built like Clowney and Devin Taylor, the 6'5", you know, Cliff Matthews at the very least types of guys. Uh, then you're going to have a harder time recruiting those guys than the tweener guys. But just because you recruit tweener defensive ends, because I'll remind everyone what Melvin Ingram was and what Eric Norwood was, and, you know, he wasn't an all-star or anything, but Casper Brinkley was pretty good doing that, and uh, you know, at defensive end. And, and, you know, there were some guys at end that, you know, weren't your 6'5", 6'6", you know, basketball player looking guys. Um, I think as long as you're good and talented out there, and you even look at Clemson, you know, Shaq Lawson was what, 6'2, 270, something like that. Uh, Vic Beasley, very small guy. Um, you know, I, I think as long as you're talented out there, you don't necessarily have to have those types of guys. Now, the issue with the three man portion of the defense is. If you don't have a Javon Kinlaw, and even when you did, look, man, 
Defense last year was not what I would call good. It was decent. But I said all offseason they needed to get better on defense. You got to take a jump, and they haven't taken a jump. Um, you know, and, and I get back to those three guys that were your kind of bigger guys, but you have to overcome, you have to compensate for that. And, you know, sometimes you, you just got to say, look, you cannot line up a 230 pound in and a 270 pound tackle in the SEC and expect to be successful every week. You know, I know your feelings on recruiting not being a problem, but I see so many issues with personnel on both sides of the ball that I find it hard to believe. And then I look at the current class and the most underwhelming I can remember. I hope, I know the hope is you hit on some guys you can develop, but identifying talent and develop getting has been an issue on its own. That's why we have depth issues at tight end, at linebacker, at safety, at receiver. I don't feel like there's – I don't know if there's depth issues at safety right now. I think you got three. Now, there has been uh, because there's been misses. At wide receiver, it's it's misses. I mean, you know, um, I, I think that's, uh, that's it. I think at tight end, I've explained this before. It, it, it's a situation where they went from one – one way of using the tight ends to another. Um, you know, you got to be able to block in the C area, so to speak, uh, if you're a tight end these days. Um, three reasons why you should look at the current class and feel any type of validated excitement. It's not the job of a recruiting class to make you feel excited, Thomas. I'm sorry. So <laughs> go, go look at some of the guys they got committed, watch the film, tell me what you think. I don't want to see a big post on the message board either about it. I mean, I just, you know – uh, recruiting, uh, they have recruited better than, than than anybody could expect or anticipate right now. There's talent on this team. Saturday was an embarrassment because of that. If there was no talent on the team at all, you know, then, you know, Saturday's not so bad. Will says, JC, JC, and this is the last one. We're finally done. It's been a long podcast. Thanks for all you do. First time asking a question, but I've enjoyed the show for a few seasons now. I'm not a member of the anti-Colin Hill crowd. Thanks, because some of those folks really <laughs> – and I tend to believe he's probably the best we can do this season. My question is, what if we do uh, – what do we do next year if Ryan isn't good enough and gets beat out by Luke Doty? I'm assuming Ryan would transfer, leaving us with Doty, uh, Gothier, and walk-ons. Quarterback, that quarterback room seems like a huge problem depth-wise. Depth Thanks. I'll remind you, though, South Carolina got through 2017 with Jake Bentley and I don't know who was behind him, Jay Ulrich uh, and DeCarian Joyner. Uh, they got through 2018, Jake Bentley and Michael Skarnecchia, who ended up being good for that one game. Uh, 2019, you know, Jake and Helensky kind of were better depth. Uh, you know, Steven Garcia went through – uh, a year in 09 where had he gotten hurt, I don't know what would have happened. Reed McCollum. Um, you know, you look 2010, Connor Shaw was a true freshman. Uh, you know, not everybody can have a Dylan Thompson back there, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, my point is, is that I wouldn't get overly crazy about depth if if Hill leaves and 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 Helensky transfers. Uh, you know, and it, because if it's Doty, if he ends up being the guy. Uh, I also think you can also go and, you know, maybe pick up a grad transfer QB if, if things happen or, or whatever. But 
I think the quarterback room is going to be fine. Uh, there's all that talk about Stockton and rolling early and stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens before you can legitimately speculate on any of that. But I, I don't, I don't always worry about quarterback depth. I mean, you, you look at Georgia. I mean, wow. <laughs> they went from thinking they were, you know, living in the land of quarterback riches uh, to, uh, wow, we got issues. <laughs> we got to talk the fourth stringer into coming back. So that's the deal there. All right, that's all the time we have. This has been an epic mailbag segment, and I appreciate each and every one of you with the mailbag questions. Told you I'd answer them all. Definitely did. Super duper, uh, super duper uh, questions today. With everybody. Uh, don't forget inside the gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the big spur pod. Also keep those five star ratings going. I know you probably don't feel like it right now. Uh, and it's okay if you don't do it this week or next week. But when the gamecocks win again, if you like the podcast, please go rate, rate it five stars. Trying to get to a thousand by the end of the football season. Still think we can get there. That kind of helps the podcast get found and we grow our audience. We have more mailbag questions. We have more fun, all that good stuff. Thanks to Keith Allsep for coming on with me yesterday. This is Wednesday, so I'll be on JB and Goldwater later today. Uh, we'll also probably have a JC and Morgan College Football Podcast for you later this week. Uh, and once again, we'll have um, a show tomorrow, Thursday, uh, all Friday, and then right back at it for game week next week as the Gamecocks get ready for AM. This is J.C. Sherman. I hope you guys have had a wonderful Wednesday. Holla at you soon.